Mary Shelley, Bram Stoker, and Edgar Allan Poe, together for one night only. Welcome to Mouthful. I'm Lori Lynn Barker. Mouthful is a podcast about food, culture, and the makers in the world. And today I'm talking with Brahm Stoker. Mouthful is sponsored by CCF Documentation. Let CCF develop your e-learning or instructional video training. From training assessment to course creation and LMS administration, CCF is your one-stop training resource. Check them out at ccfdocumentation.com. Victorian authors come back to life to read aloud their classic and not-so-classic horror stories. Victorian Horrors is at the Molly Brown House Museum October 17th through October 19th and October 24th through October 26th. This is an immersive theater experience that takes place at the Molly Brown House Museum at night, which just takes it up another level. It is truly a one-of-a-kind experience. On this episode of Mouthful, I am with Stephanie McGuire, curator of collections for the Molly Brown House Museum, and Bram Stoker, a.k.a. David Payne. Let's start with Stephanie. For those who are not familiar with the Molly Brown House Museum and Victorian Horrors, Stephanie will give us all the details. Stephanie, tell me what you do at the Molly Brown House. I am the curator of collections, so I basically take care of all the old stuff in the house, including the house, which is our largest artifact. So do you go out and get the items or do people donate them? So we uh, get most things donated to us. We work with people that uh, call in, they um, they email us, and a lot of the time people are going through their stuff and they find, you know, gems and then they <laughs> think of us and they ask, do you have any use for this? And there are times that we have people, you know, contact us and say, I have Margaret Brown's blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, it's we can't quite authenticate that, but sometimes we will find new things to add to the collection. What's the latest thing that you found? Actually, one of the old uh, residents of the home, his name was Bill Conrad, and he was friends with a couple of the other guys that actually rented the house in the 1960s. And he just sent us a group of artifacts and um, and photographs of the house. And a lot of it was, you know, photographs of him. And it's really cool to be able to include those other stories about the house because, of course, our main focus is on Margaret Brown. But um, there were so many people that rented the house and owned it kind of afterwards. So that's the latest thing that we got in the mail. Yeah, and it's pretty fascinating to think that it was her house and then the the evolution of it, because at one point it was a boarding house, and then it became the Molly Brown House Museum. And when it was the Molly Brown House Museum, I know the carriage house was being rent out, rented out because a friend of mine actually rented it out. <laughs> and then, of course, now it's the gift shop, and now you've done all the renovations and you've opened up rooms. And every about every six months, you change things up there, you... Decorate for the season, I guess, is what be the best thing. Absolutely. We are, I mean, although we're a time capsule in a way of 
you know, late 18th, early 19th century life. We are just always changing and always growing. We just finished a $2 million restoration of the home. Um, So the house is in great condition right now. And um, we're always curating new exhibits and new, um, we're creating new programs. We're always sort of changing the tours. So um, you'll always have a new experience if you come back to the Molly Brown house. And you just completed major renovations there. Did you open up any rooms? We did, actually. We uh, have since opened up um, a room on the third floor in sort of an attic space that was one of their servants' bedrooms. So now, for the first time ever, we're sort of opening up the other side of the house to show the servants living and working quarters because they were such a big part of the house and, you know, making sure everything ran smoothly. Um, And then we also found out based on a really cool primary source document that we acquired in 2016 that kind of changed things for us because in that source, Helen, Margaret's daughter, she drew a layout of the first floor of the house. And in it, we found that one of the be- one of the rooms that had previously just been uninterpreted, uh, she had written that that was her father's study. So that is now interpreted. We did paint analysis, and we took back the layers of paint and wallpaper, and we uncovered what was the original wallpaper, and we were able to pr- reproduce that exactly. That's absolutely fascinating it that is. there are actually people out there who do that. Because have, didn't you in the son's room find wallpaper and you took it out and had it matched and reproduced? Yes, exactly. So it was the same process where slowly peel back one by one the layers of paint and wallpaper and we find pieces of you know the earliest version and then we reproduce it exactly. And that's really what we do in the house is we'll find those early paint layers and wallpaper layers And we did that with the exterior of the house as well. We realized that that pink color that's always been on the (laughs) exterior of the house, it was actually a later color. Mm -hmm. Um, And we found, you know, after doing that paint analysis, we found this really, 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 really dark green that looks black um, that was actually the original color of the house. So we just repainted the entire exterior of the house to be more accurate. And when was the house built? It was built in 1889 by William Lang. And how long was Molly Brown living there? Uh, They purchased the home in 1894 and Margaret actually owned the house up until her death in 1932. Wow. And where is it located at? It's located on Capitol Hill at 1340 Pennsylvania Street. And that's Denver, Colorado. Denver, Colorado. If people need more information about the house, where can they get more information? Uh, Just check our website. That's probably the best place to get all the information. It's mollybrown.org. And you're very active on Facebook, too. Yes, and Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well. We, again, as I said, we're always changing. We have so much going on. um, And following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter is a great way to keep up with all the happenings at the museum. Well, Molly Brown was known for her flamboyancy and her very being a very eccentric. And she really appreciated the holidays. Because I know at Christmas you just blow everything out. But one of the things that you do 
at Halloween because they loved Halloween. <laughs> Who doesn't love Halloween, right? <laughs> you do an event called Victorian Horrors. Yes. Could you tell me what Victorian Horrors is? For our 26th year in a row, we are um, able to host our annual Halloween event called Victorian Horrors. And we invite our guests to come into the house, one of Denver's most iconic houses in the area, at nighttime, which is kind of cool. Which is even better. Um, exactly. <laughs> and um, we basically, you know, invite you to come in and experience this this environmental theater. It's fun and spooky, and you get to kind of creep between the rooms at night, um, and you go inside closets and other spooky spaces. I didn't um, go in the closet when I went. Is this a new thing? It may be. When did you last come in? Two years ago. It may be. We opened up um, because between Larry's and JJ's room mm-hmm. is a closet that actually connects the two Oh, rooms. I have been in that closet. And we love opening up that up for Victorian Horrors because it's just such a creepy, weird spot right. in the house. Right. Okay, right. I have been through that. Yeah, yeah. So it's cool because you get to see new spaces. You get to go into some of the rooms that normally you don't get to go into. And along the way, you'll hear the scary stories. Which is amazing. Yeah. That is just an amazing feature of Victorian horrors. So basically, you hear these spooky, cool stories that are um, performed by acclaimed local actors who we work closely with. Um, And they perform the great authors of gothic horror literature. So it's a really cool, kind of fun, and kind of nerdy Halloween experience. And this year we have six stories that you'll get to hear, including Edgar Allan Poe's The Telltale Heart and uh, The Jewel of Seven Stars by Bram Stoker. How do people get tickets, and when are the dates, and what are the run times? Because I know tickets go very, 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 very fast. Yes, yeah. Um, Victorian Horrors is definitely the Molly Brown House Museum's most popular event. So we definitely recommend getting tickets in advance as soon as you can, um, because we do tend to sell out. Um, And the best way to do that is just go on our website on mollybrown.org and go to the event page. Um, and tickets are $20 for adults, and uh, we do give a discount for our historic Denver members, seniors, and children. Um, those are all $18 a ticket. And uh, performances run every 15 minutes between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m., uh, and they're about an hour long. And you do all the floors? All floors. You'll get to see the whole house right. at night. <laughs> which is really fun and spooky. And there are lights, but it's very there spooky. There are lights. <laughs> and I love the fact that you have docents kind of standing in the hall. So, like, if you wander off, they're like, don't go that way. Yeah. And usually <laughs> they're dressed up in as Like zombies or, yeah, or something. something creepy. And there are a lot of stairs. So you start at the bottom, you go up, and then you come back down. There are. Um, we are accessible for the first time ever via a, a lift on the first floor of the house and the basement. But Victorian Horrors does use all three floors of the house, so there are quite a few stairs to get up to the third floor. And to come down. And to come down. Because isn't it one of the things you come down are the servant stairs? Yes. That's pretty awesome. Yes. You feel very Downton Abbey when you do that. Oh, yeah. Except for it's kind of scary and it's at night. (laughs) You go up as a guest and you come down as a servant. (laughs) Exactly. 
the engineer that I'm working with today actually told me that, that you do things in the basement. What do you do in the basement? I've never yeah. been in the basement. <laughs> yeah, so that was actually um, part of our $2 million restoration of the house. We were able to renovate the basement space, which was previously a really basementy basement in a Victorian house. So it was just kind of our storage space. Um, and now it is a really cool natural resources education center um, where we hold programming um, we also have an exhibit that's up on mining, and that is a permanent exhibit that you can see right now. Um, we play a documentary down there for our guests who are, you know, waiting on their tour or who want to catch a documentary after their tour. Um, and we also have our collections workspace down there, which is great for me. <laughs> we, mm -hmm. we get to have more space to work on our collections. So it's a fairly big basement. It's not just like a root cellar. It is. It's, it's a decent size. And when people finish with Victorian horrors and they come out the back door, they can also visit the gift shop at this time. Tell us about the gift shop. Will you have like Halloween stuff and all that? Absolutely. Um, our gift shop manager, Eileen, does an amazing job with the gift shop. Too good because we all spend way too much I know. Money I, every time shop. I go. <laughs> um, but yes, you can see the gift shop before or after your tour. Um, if you are on the very last tour of the night, the gift shop will be closed after your tour so um, just make sure to to do that prior but we will have lots of um, pieces out on display that are related to the books that you'll be hearing you know from the authors and then of course you know we have all kinds of titanic paraphernalia and um, great books of course the the main book that we love is unraveling the myth by Kristen Iverson that's the best biography on Margaret Brown and all kinds of fun stuff. <laughs> it just goes on and on. Will the house be decorated for Halloween? Because the Victorians love to decorate, and I love that style. Yeah. And it's really kind of hard to describe. It's very rudimentary. It's you know, yes. not fancy, but I just love Victorian Halloween decorations. Uh, we do, too, and we do go all out for Halloween just as they did. Um, and this year... We are partnering for the second year in a row with the Learned Lemur and Atomic Folk Art, and they are basically helping us to decorate the house and curating exhibits throughout the house that are Victorian oddities and curiosities, like taxidermy and specimen jars and things like that, mm -hmm. other creepy crawlies, um, because the Victorians were really fascinated with they these were. kinds of curiosities. So um, their collections really lend sort of a more traditional uh, Victorian creepy setting mm -hmm. to our event, and they're really fitting for our event. Have you ever done a seance at the Molly Brown house? Because wasn't she really into that? She was. She was actually a, she was very much um, interested in the spiritualism movement, uh, which was, um, was kind of astrology um, palmistry and, uh, you know, seances and all kinds of things like that. And actually, um, right before she got on the Titanic, she visited a palm reader um, who she had kind of a spooky experience with because he, in, this was in Egypt, he read her palm and said, in broken English, water, water everywhere um, and dead bodies. Wow. And <laughs> she was, she kind of brushed it off a little bit. She's like, oh, whatever. Um, but she bought a Ushabti, which is a 
talisman for good luck, basically, in Egyptian culture. And she took it with her on the Titanic, um, just in case, because she was <laughs> she wanted to cover herself just in case. And that was one of the only things she brought back with her um, from the Titanic experience. So um, we've never done, I don't believe we've done a seance in the museum, but um, it was definitely something that Margaret was fascinated with. And she uh, sh- she would invite her you know, friends to come over, and she had palm readers in her house. You can get more information about the Molly Brown House and Victorian Horrors at mollybrown.org. You can also visit Victorian Horrors' Facebook page to get more info. Victorian Horrors is at the Molly Brown House October 17th through the 19th and October 24th through the 26th. Tickets will go fast, so don't hesitate on getting the tickets. Did you know that Goodreads hosts a Victober? Victober is a month-long readathon that is all about Victorian literature. If you would like more information or get more familiar with Victorian literature, I would go to goodreads.com and get involved with Victober. Now joining me is Bram Stoker, also known as David Payne. David, tell me about yourself. You're an actor. How long have you been an actor? Where are you based out of? And what would we know you for? I've been an actor since I was a kid. <laughs> it was just something I wanted to do. Um, so I'm based in the Lakewood area with my wife, who also is involved with the, the Victorian horrors. And we met uh, doing theater in college and found out we had gone to rival high schools but didn't know each other at the time. <laughs> And uh, her brother was in a show with me, and everybody kept saying, oh, you need to meet his sister. And so, long story short, we did. And and years later, we're still married and going at it. And, and in terms of theater, we, we direct, we write, we produce. Um, as, as a director, I do a lot of things at the Arvada Center. A lot of the children's show, we're just about to uh, start working on the Velveteen Rabbit, which will be in the spring. Um, we've done... Susical for them, uh, Susical the Musical. We've done Junie B. Jones, uh, A Year with Frog and Toad a couple of times, and many others. And we used to write a lot of the shows back in the 90s. Um, Performing-wise, certainly Victorian Horrors we do a lot. Um, I don't get to do as, as many performances out in these shows outside anymore because I'm also a theater teacher and involved with productions at schools, which just kind of take me out of the running. Um, I do have a side gig in the December months out of the <laughs> Aspen Grove Shopping Center. Um, so it, it just kind of depends on, on what theater things people are, are involved with, but uh, probably more directing of late than performing itself. So you've actually made a living. I have made a living doing theater or theater-related things. Um, taught for 25 years at one school as the theater teacher and then have been at several others since leaving there. Um, as well as uh, Arapaho Community College, or not Arapaho, Aurora Community College, Community College of Aurora. And uh, everything I've done has been around theater in some way, and just I felt that was my my calling and my passion. Well, Denver has a thriving theater scene Mm -hmm. here. A lot of people think, oh, we're just all sports. But actually the theater scene in Denver makes more money than this all sports combined. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing, isn't I love it? it? I think people have the the misconception, oh, they're just a cow town. They don't have culture there. It's like, no, we really do. And we've got so many unique theaters, theaters around Denver. Yes. 
an, an amazing talent pool of people, of which some are here at Victorian <laughs> Horrors um, every year or different people, different years. Um, and it's just an amazing, live, vibrant theater community. I'd like to talk to you about your experience with Victorian Horrors. You were telling me that you have been with them since the beginning. Correct. And that's 26 years, but you've only done 25 because you took time <laughs> out to direct Dracula. Yes. And now you're back. Tell me who you've portrayed. Oh, gosh. That's a lot of different people. Uh, Bram Stoker certainly is the, the recurring one that every few years I get to do. Uh, but I've done Kafka and, uh, oh, gosh, did a piece, The Monkey's Paw, uh, which was white. I can't remember his first name. Um among others, but uh, um, and I've been uh, one of the brothers Grimm uh, with one of the other actors. We did the duet scene from from uh, one of their creepy stories. Um, just a lot uh, of different variety of, of Victorian authors, as as you heard, they are there. There's a lot of material to choose from. Not every author is known by uh, the public. Stoker and Edgar Allan Poe, you know, come to mind easily. Uh, but there are others that maybe just had one creepy story or a couple of creepy stories that uh, are fun to f- discover and, and find a piece from that mm-hmm. we go, oh, that would be cool in a room. <laughs> but the Victorians were fascinated by mm-hmm. horror stories. Like you said, there are a lot of authors out there that you would never think that they wrote a horror story. And what the first one comes to mind is H.G. Wells. Yeah. Everyone always assumes he just did the the voyage to the bottom of the sea, which is not one of his, but that's the only one. I right, can the time think. machine. The and, time machine, yeah, yeah, and, the world. And so everybody just assumed that that's all he did, futuristic stuff. But he actually did help me with this. What did H. G. Wells write? Oh gosh, he had a whole bunch of short stories. Mm-hmm, um, the... There was the cone, which I think is just a really fun, creepy one with a, kind of a torture thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the reluctant ghost. That's the one I was yeah, thinking of. Yeah, it's charming. It's like I'm sitting here going, ghost, ghost, ghost. <laughs> yeah, and uh, uh, we don't have HG this year, but he he pops in and out most years, and he's been there. That particular actor has been there since the beginning as well, with just a few years that he couldn't be there um, in and out. But yes, you're right. I mean, there are authors that just thought, oh, this is a place to make money, so I'm going to give my hand at trying to write some some creepy novels or short stories and uh, did really well certainly at the time but they didn't endure to where we just think of their names poe is probably the the most famous because that was right. kind of his genre genre mm-hmm. yeah. right so we're always glad to see mr Ed. but this year you're pretty stoked because <laughs> <laughs> see see how i did that i, saw, I, saw. I like that um you're portraying <laughs> brahm stoker mm-hmm that's pretty good. That's I, pretty, I enjoy That's like him. right under Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. I mean, that's right up there. I enjoy him, but, but it's not a piece from Dracula this year, uh, which is what he's certainly most recognized for. But he wrote a lot of things. And one of the other areas that he um, in, indulged in, because it was certainly popular at the time, was, was uh, Egypt and th- that culture and, and the archaeology that was going on there. Um, although he wrote this certainly before... King Tut's tomb was uncovered before Carter got there, but this this particular story is the Jewel of Seven Stars that he wrote, and it's it's got a whole mummy thing going on, and it'll be a duet scene um, with another actress who um, I introduce as Ellen Terry, who was a 
famous British actress and who was part of his inspiration when he wrote Dracula. He had kind of a crush on her. Um, and her husband, uh, Henry Irving, was who inspired him to write Dracula because he was kind of hypnotic and possessive. <laughs> um, so that, that was kind of their backstory. But um, I have her in this duet with me on the third floor um, to create this piece from The Jewel of Seven Stars, which is a little different piece from uh, his style of Dracula, but it's, it's a great story. Well, would you do us the honor and read a piece for of us? Of course. I'd happy, happily share something from that. In fact, I wish to share something from the final chapter of The Jewel of Seven Stars. And at this point, a small group is trying to bring to life an ancient Egyptian queen. Margaret was sad. Dr. Winchester was in high spirits. Mr. Corbeck seemed to be in a retrospective mood. As to Mr. Trelawney, he seemed less changed than any. Now we'd better prepare for our great work. What are you going to do now? To unroll the mummy of Queen Terra. Father, you're not going to unswathe her. All you men and in the glare of light? <laughs> Why not, my dear? Just think, Father, a woman all alone in such a way, in such a place. It's, it's cruel. It's cruel. Then the work began. At last we knew that the wrappings were coming to an end. The final wrapping was a wide piece, the whole length of the body. Across the body, not surrounding it, was a girdle of jewels, which shone and glowed with all the forms and phases of the colors of the sky. Margaret bent over to examine more closely. That is no ceremony. It's, it was not meant for the clothing of death. It is a marriage robe. Mr. Trelawney leaned over and touched the linen robe. Margaret is right. He lifted the zone of jewels and handed it to Margaret. Then with both hands he raised the ample robe and laid it across her arms. We all stood, awed at the beauty of the figure which, save for the face cloth, now lay completely nude before us. And the whole glorious beauty of the queen was revealed. It was not like death at all. It was like a statue. There was none of the wrinkled toughness which seems to be a leading characteristic of most mummies. The flesh was full and round as in a living person. It was like new ivory. I was amazed at the likeness to Margaret's. This woman, I, I could not think of her as a mummy or a corpse, was the image of Margaret. Mr. Trelawney was overcome as he looked. It looks as if you were dead, my child. There was a long silence. It's a fun story. It sounds like a I fun story. I didn't want to story. give it all away. Do so you I didn't finish it when people come and see you? Yes. It's awesome. from the final chapter, so it, it wraps it all up, but I didn't want to give that away tonight. Yeah, I don't <laughs> want to show, you know, don't want to show your hand. <laughs> what other authors are going to be portrayed there? Oh, we've got some great ones. We've got uh, William Hope Hodgson, who's doing a, a piece from The House on the Borderland. Uh, J.H. Riddle with The Open Door. Uh, of course, The Jewel of the Seven Stars that I'm doing. And we've got Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde and The Telltale Heart by Edgar Allan Poe and Dora Sigerson Shorter's A Strange Voice. So, Good evening. Yeah, and it's it's family friendly yes so it's not like it's not a haunted house right where we're it's jumping not a haunted out house and yelling boo or anything like that um the 
the Victorian decorations, what was charming back then is you didn't just go out and buy a lot of stuff. They were made. They were homemade, uh, handmade pieces. So we have, the house has that. But then, as you also heard, there's some very specific theme-related pieces, taxidermy and so forth, that, that really fit the stories and the rooms that we are inhabiting. So you'll see a lot of wonderful stuff besides the house itself. And you get to go into places and parts of the house that are not on the normal tour during the day. So you do, it is a special event that we are very excited about every year. We just welcome everybody to come in and it is family friendly. If people are interested in getting a hold of you or finding out more about you, where do they go? It just kind of varies. Uh, certainly um, the arvadacenter.org will have my stuff as far as a director and uh, those kinds of pieces. Um, that's, of course, come to Victorian Horrors. And come to Victorian <laughs> Horrors. In our, in our programs that we, we have, we have all the author, actors listed, and so there will be some information in there. But um, it's, it's, and certainly you're welcome to reach out to us because um, most of us, many of us, I should say, have been there multiple years. So it's, it's a thing we look forward to. We're very possessive of it as <laughs> actors. So we try and keep our schedules clear. And sometimes there are shows that you just can't pass. And so, you know, personnel can change. But really, the people we're looking at have been there uh, as regulars. We love to inhabit and haunt the house. Thank you to Stephanie McGuire and David Payne with Victorian Horrors. Victorian Horrors is at the Molly Brown House Museum October 17th through the 19th and October 24th through the 26th. For more information, please visit mollybrown.org or look for Victorian Horrors on Facebook. And don't forget about Victober on goodreads.com. Mouthful is brought to you by CCF Documentation. Are you looking to get new employees trained quicker and with better consistency? Is your technical documentation a mess? Then CCF Documentation is the place for you. Specializing in aligning your technical documentation and employee training, CCF is at the forefront of providing effective and measurable training outcomes. Customized to your company culture at a price that will fit your budget. Whether you are looking to create a company-wide e-learning training program or you want to create training content for your customers, CCF Documentation has a solution you need. Contact CCF at ccfdocumentation.com. Resting Bitch Face and Influencers on the latest Ladies Chit Chat Club show. This is the show I filled in for Mandy, and she left a list of words that we couldn't say. Well, let's just say we kind of forgot about the list about two minutes in. You can find this podcast and many more at ladieschitchatclub.com, and don't forget to like us. If you would like to be a guest or need more information about anything you heard, please feel free to contact me at mouthfulthepodcast at gmail.com. And you can look for me on all the social media platforms. You can either look for my name or you can look for Mouthful the Podcast. With Mouthful, I'm Lori Lynn Barker. Stay fresh, cheese bags. Cheese bags.